Why is it more important than ever that the work we do as healthcare professionals be aligned with both our values and our highest well-being? Let's talk all about it right here with nurse and life and recovery coach Tiffany Swedeen on episode 299 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're disseminating as much high-quality, evidence-based information and expert opinion as we can in our monthly COVID-19 updates. Meanwhile, we still want to support you in your personal and professional development, discuss salient issues of the day, and maybe bring to light issues and concepts that might even be new to you. I love having you along for the ride, whether you're new to the show or you've been on this journey with me for months or years. Thanks for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you, your nursing and healthcare career, and healthcare writ large. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. And remember that Nurse Keith Coaching is your one-stop shop for all things related to your career. Head over to nursekeith.com, shoot me an email at keith at nursekeith.com, mention the show, and you get 10% off your first coaching package. And the show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 299. And today we're joined by friend of the pod and one of my favorite humans around, is my let me try that again today we're joined by friend of the pod and one of my favorite people around the planet tiffany swedeen and tiffany we'll get to your amazing bio and your story in due course but we're going to dive right in right now so why at this time in history at the end of 2020 do we need to make sure that our work is in true alignment with our values and that it's actually good for us to be doing what we're doing? Thanks, Nurse Keith. What a great question during this time, during 2020. Why do I think it's most important for our work to be in alignment? Well, I can speak for myself. I'm thinking of longevity in this career and my absolute love for the nursing profession and my love for being a caregiver. And as 2020 drags on, I can feel burnout increasing and my ability to stay present dwindling. Okay. Dwindling. So this is the beginning of December of 2020. We're in the middle of the beginnings of the holiday season. So we've passed Thanksgiving and probably a non-existent Halloween, and we're coming up on Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and the New Year and all those things that are going to be so different than they've ever been before. And at the same time, we are nearing almost a year into the pandemic because March will really be when we've all been aware of it. So it'll be 12 months. And a lot of us thought, oh, this will be over in six months. We'll be back to normal. And many of us thought, mm, not quite so fast. So at the top of the show, I mentioned this notion of our work being aligned with our values. So how does that play into this time we're in right now, especially in terms of nurses, because you're a nurse? When our work isn't aligned with our personal values, we can't engage in our work 
in the same way. We can't engage in our work in a meaningful and purposeful way. And if we're not finding meaning and purpose at work, we're, we're less likely to be emotionally and physically healthy. Our well-being decreases. When our well-being decreases, we're not as good partners. We're not as good parents. We're not as good to ourselves. And I think really what it comes down to is that having work that is in alignment with our highest well-being, with our personal values, is part of self-care. And if we're not doing self-care right now as caregivers, I mean, what's going to be left, really? What's going to be left of the nursing industry? Because we're so needed. So, Tiffany, you're an ICU nurse and a life and recovery coach. And when we talk about things being in alignment, and we're talking about that being a form of self-care, when we hear about self-care, everyone's talking about taking baths and lighting candles and doing yoga and all that kind of stuff. So you're talking about a very different type of self-care. This is a deeper dive into what self-care really is. So can you can you dive a little deeper on that? Sure. Um, the yoga and baths are also, they're great. They're often, um, you know, more of kind of a temporary fix to feel better during your day, to feel better during your week, to release some difficult emotions maybe that you have. Um, but when we're looking at kind of our, our wheel of life, our career, our relationships, our finances, our education, family, Um, depending on your resource, there may be six or eight components to this wheel. We really want to ensure that each of these areas is in alignment with our personal values. If it's not, then we begin to build resentments. It's like soul friction is kind of how I'm thinking of it right now. Soul friction. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. So th- it's a new term. So are we coining it right here? I guess we are. So, okay. You've heard it here first, folks. Tiffany Swedeen of of Seattle um, has just coined a new term. No one else can use it now unless they send her money. So, all right. So soul friction. So if we are feeling friction on that, what do we say, existential level, what are some of the consequences then? Because we're feeling out of alignment on many levels. So what are some things that can happen to us when that soul friction comes home to roost or rears its ugly head? Well, since many of us here are nurses or maybe nursing students, we can compare it to friction that is happening in physical tissues. When friction, you know, when the tissues rub against each other, we get inflammation and swelling and pain and irritation. So if we're having that on an existential or soul or intrinsic wholeness or just at the level of self, the part of you that's truly you, then you will also have agitation and irritation. You might have physical manifestations of pain. You might have migraines or bone pain or joint pain that is otherwise doesn't have a source that you can find. But I also 
see that, you know, relationships will become more difficult. You might be more irritable with your family members and your loved ones. And in regards to work, um, what I see in, in acute healthcare as a nurse is the depersonalization. And it can be more difficult to find compassion for your patients, for your colleagues, and for yourself. And you might just have, you know, the the feeling that it might be, it might not be that extreme. It might not be migraines and depersonalization. Um, that is pretty extreme. It might just be a feeling of an undercurrent that things are just not right. That it, on the outside, it looks like I have my career in place and I have my family and I'm educated and I should be happy. And why am I not happy? I just don't feel right. So depersonalization, I've used the term before, you've used the term before in presentations. So for that person out there listening who is, you know, cocking their head like depersonalization, okay, I probably heard that in Psych 101, but what does it truly, truly mean? I don't have a Webster's dictionary definition of depersonalization in this moment, but it is feelings of cynicism and detachment from the job. And so then that would relate to your patients, a detachment from from them as humans who have needs. And in these days when people are feeling really hard pressed, when the healthcare milieu is extra stressful. It's extra difficult. There's more being asked of us. There's a lack of PPE or whatever issue. There might be some nurses out there right now listening, screaming at the computer or at their phone saying, yes, that, but oh no, but this too, like this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. So there's a litany of things that aren't working right right now. They're not in alignment with what we were taught in school or maybe for those students out there listening right now. It's not even in alignment with what you're being taught and you're being sent into into clinical spaces where, wait a second, this isn't what we're told to do. And why is my instructor not wearing a mask or why is she telling us it's not important? And this is a true story. I've heard this directly. So there's all sorts of ethical, moral, no matter how you slice it, there's all sorts of stuff happening out there. So I know you speak with nurses and people reach out to you and when they reach out to you these days in 2020 let's keep it kind of current what are they talking about and what are the top things that they're coming to you with saying oh my gosh this is really pushing me over the edge some of the things that i am seeing in my workplace at large <laughs> keep it a little broad and what i'm hearing from clients and nursing students that I speak to are, are exactly what you just said, is seeing role models and those that they consider to be experts in the field, such as nursing instructors or leadership and administration, not wearing masks, a lack of communication. That's huge fr from leadership down, leadership through the educating services down to the staff that are, you know, providing the patient care and a seemingly lack of compassion, which we preach vehemently in the nursing industry. And where has that gone and how are we not um, applying the concepts of compassion to each other 
to our colleagues from leadership to staff. We've been lucky, you know, my area to generally have the PPE that we need, but it's constantly changing and the rules around it are changing what we have to wear. And um, that's been, you know, a big area of concern and area of conversation is why does that change and where's the research behind it and where's the communication behind it? So Tiffany, in, in this time where we find ourselves, people might be turning to ways of being in their lives that negatively impact maybe their health, their well-being, or all different aspects of their life, including their work. And if they're fatigued, if they're feeling that sense of what you mentioned earlier, depersonalization, where is it manifesting? What are you hearing or what do you know that manifests for people at times like these, even though we're in a time that none of us have ever lived through before, but you've seen what stress and duress do to people? We're exhausted. We're exhausted. We're physically exhausted. So I know, you know, nurses showing up on lack of sleep, I think is something we've probably become good at since the time of nurses um, beginning. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's right. And and I think that that is kind of the theme is that we can continue to work in, in, under these conditions to a certain point, but it doesn't mean it's it's right. It doesn't mean it's good care. It doesn't mean it's all effective care. And what I've heard recently um, from a nurse is, I just need a job. That's it. That's the down and dirty. I just need a job, so I'm here. The lack of interest in engagement and making a difference, the lack of motivation to advocate to make things better, because we've been asking for months for things to get better or to change or for the communication to arrive, to get a break, to get a real break, to get a lunch, (laughs) or to just get a break, you know, to get some staffing on board is this sense of of just apathy that I'm I'm here for a paycheck. So so there's that out of alignment. Most of us nurses are not in this career just for a paycheck. There is there is a reward to our soul, to our existential being. We're there for a reason. And when when that's gone, patient care is affected ultimately. And that's that's huge. But also the nurse that's living that life. I mean, that that's just a sad vision to me. That's that's a sad vision. And their their personal relationships, their relationship with their children and their spouse or their partners will suffer as well because of that that undercurrent of unhappiness. Right. So there's a ripple effect. And like we said a little while ago, 10, 15 minutes ago about self-care, like that nurse can go home and take a bath and light some candles and you teach mindfulness meditation and you're a practitioner of mindfulness and that whole world of of supportive practices that can help keep us centered and i also know that as a life and recovery coach you work with nurses specifically who are dealing with substance use disorders and other types of issues in that particular realm. So 
my assumption is then that these types of issues are probably on the rise right now because we know they're on the rise in the general population. We know suicides on the rise. So is that a, a huge worry for you vis-a-vis the nursing profession right now? Absolutely. A huge worry. I can only speak anecdotally. I've not done the research myself. I really hope the research will be done. I know, as you said, it's being done on the general population. There has been an increase in opioid overdose deaths in the general population. And we know that nurses are just as likely, if not more likely, to have addiction problems. We have access to illicit substances to prescription substances. And, um, you know, I can speak for my clientele and um, nurses I know in the recovery world that relapses with alcohol and or prescription drugs have absolutely been on the rise. And that's anecdotal from your clientele, the people you know and the communities in which you you move, right? You're part of She Recovers, which is an international organization that works with women in recovery from all sorts of things. It's not just alcohol. It's not just drugs. It can be anything. So if we look at that and we look at what we see in the news, which is like this article in USA Today about alcohol consumption has increased 14% compared with a year ago and including 17% for women. So we're seeing in, in terms of the current research, more alcohol abuse among women. So I'm sure that's really worrisome for you in terms of your colleagues all over the country and all over the world. And we have no idea when the pandemic's going to end. We have no idea how things are going to pan out once 2021 dawns. And we need to come up with some solutions. And it doesn't mean just telling people to go home and take baths. Not And again, I'm not knocking baths, but we need to dive a lot deeper. We need a lot more for people. So when we come back for the break, I want to talk about your work with She Recovers. I want to talk about your work at Recover and Rise, your your company, Air One Woman Enterprise. And I also want to talk about not just the, the simple fixes that we all talk about in terms of self-care, but even more and your vision for what that could be in, in a perfect world where we all get what we need and can really be supported. So we'll be right back with the second half of The Nurse Keith Show, episode 299. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Nurse Keith. 
And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. So you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. So welcome back to the second half of the episode. Please remember the show notes are going to be located at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 299, where you can find out a whole lot more about Tiffany Swedeen and her work with She Recovers, an international organization for women in recovery from Anything you can possibly think of. It's a very welcoming community that we'll dive a little more into. And also her work at recoverandrise.com. So there'll be a lot there for you. And now, Tiffany, prior to the break, we were talking about, oh my gosh, so many things. And we're talking about the stressors we're under or nurses are under in general and the population at large and your concerns and what you're hearing from your clientele, what you're hearing just through the grapevine because you're an ICU nurse in the Seattle area. So you, you've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on out there and you've been working with COVID patients. So you're, you're in the thick of it and you've been in the thick of it since this pandemic began. So let's just start with she recovers because we want to start talking about ways that nurses can find help. And again, we talked about all the basic self-care stuff that is out there and is great, but she recovers is doing some very, very important work around the world. So we talked about this the last time you're on the show, but I really want to drive home the fact about what she recovers does. And in 2021, I'm actually going to have the founders of she recovers on the show. So tell us a little bit about the organization and your place in it. She recovers is, as you said, an international organization for women recovering from, as we like to say, uh, all the things, um, women recovering from everything from substance use disorder to grief, to loss, to eating disorders, to being a woman on earth in this century. Um, there's a lot of recovery to be had. She Recovers is accessible and welcoming, um, unlike any other recovery program that I've been a part of, and I I've tried out a few in the last seven years. She Recovers has a huge heart for healthcare professionals. So in the last few months since the beginning of COVID, not only have they um, opened up two free online meetings every day of the week um, run by volunteers, nobody is paid to do this, coach facilitators. We've also started a weekly 
meeting just for healthcare professionals. So we have CT techs and we have psychologists and therapists and first responders and nurses and physicians that can gather in complete um, confidence, um, anonymity if it's wanted, certainly anonymity um, outside of that room and share anything that needs to be shared in order to help them recover maybe from their, you know, the the bigger things in their life, such as addiction, and maybe just to recover from their shift that they had the day before that they need to talk about with somebody who can, can understand and relate to what they're going through. And that's um, a, a huge part of being able to prevent and treat and recover from burnout is the ability to connect with another and release some of that energy through sharing. Now, you've told me there's a aphorism or motto or saying that you all say and she recovers that sort of encapsulates how you look at recovery. Can you can you repeat that for me? Yeah, we are accepting of all recovery programs and we criticize none, which I think is hugely important. You don't have to adopt or conform to any type of dogma or any particular steps or any particular faith. Um, you know, our first guiding principle is that we are all recovering from something. So regardless of what that is or the path that you choose to take individually, you can be welcomed and supported within the She Recovers organization, family. Right, the family. So when we think about She Recovers, and you said it's for even just recovering from being a woman on the planet in the 21st century. So I just want to add that that means we are inclusive of all women, including self-identifying women. Right. So anyone who identifies as female is welcome within the, the family, the community, the organization. And this is around the country and around the world. So if all paths of recovery are honored and none is criticized, that means people coming from 12-step can come in and and come from that way of thinking. But it can be people who who are who are repulsed by 12-step and do do their recovery differently. So it doesn't really matter where they're coming from or what they actually bring to the table. That's exactly right. So you said that there's now a weekly call for healthcare professionals. These are female or female identified healthcare professionals anywhere in the world. So are these calls video based? Are they audio only? And what is it like when say I'm a nurse and I'm a, a woman who's worked in the field and I want to interact with other healthcare professionals. So what do I expect when I move into this particular milieu? What you can expect is to use the Zoom platform. Which I- oh, Zoom. Oh, none of us know what that is. <laughs> it is on Zoom. Um, we have a Facebook group and you don't have to be a part of the Facebook group, but we also don't um, advertise the Zoom link publicly. You do either need to become a part of the Facebook group, which is private, but you can you can find it through Facebook. It's She Recovers Supports Healthcare Professionals and Allied Services. Um, and the link is in there, or you know somebody who knows the link and they give it to you. Um, and that's part of 
ensuring privacy and confidentiality. Um, and once you're in the meeting, you can have your video on or off. It doesn't matter. You can change your name if you want to be anonymous. Um, we we have a lot of women who do that in the beginning and sort of just want to get comfortable listening for a while. And these meetings are facilitated by a certified coach, such as myself. I usually do one, one of them a month and the other Saturdays of the month, I'm just a listening member sharing my own story. And we might do um, a mindfulness exercise together. There might be a poem read. There might be a topic of the day. There might be no topic. It might be open sharing. Um, But pretty much anything goes, whatever you need to share that's on your heart that day, or if you just want to listen and not share at all, nobody will ever be pressured to do so. There's usually about 25 of us. Um, It's only been going for a couple of months, so I expect that to grow. In the greater She Recovers um, meeting that is not just for healthcare professionals, there's usually closer to 70 to 80, up to 100 women on that call. So it does reach many, many women and now is reaching specifically to healthcare professionals. So since we know that substance use is up or maybe even substance abuse is is going up in many quarters and like that study that came out that showed women are actually 17% seeing a 17% increase in alcohol use or alcohol abuse. So there's a lot going on out there for people and a lot at stake. Like you talked about earlier in the first half, relationships, your job, your wellness, your satisfaction, your happiness. And I want to circle back, and then we're going to talk about Recover and Rise, but I want to circle back to what we mentioned at the top of the show, which is about our work being in alignment with our values. So in the midst of this time, I keep going back to like, here we are in this time. So in the midst of this time, some people are feeling like, um, what would be the right word? They're feeling survivor's guilt. Like myself, I don't work as a clinician, so I can feel survivor's guilt because I'm not there slogging away on the front lines and I can feel guilty and I can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not making my contribution. Or someone who decides to leave their position, say in the ICU, because they've done their time and they're ready to go and they they feel that They can't do any more COVID care right now. They need a break, maybe a really long one. So what does that mean? If our our values are changing, like maybe I'm valuing myself more and my family and I need to not be really doing this anymore. How do we reconcile that so that we can bring that home and not feel bad about ourselves and feel that we're still making our contribution in whatever way we we choose to it's not it's not going to be an easy road to take so i i think we we have to acknowledge all of the difficult emotions and steps that it's going to take to get there so i mean i can share from my personal experience um i get so much reward and satisfaction from being an ICU nurse. I've been in acute care for 15 years and I've been in ICU for 
the last eight years. And I am having to take a good hard look at whether I belong there anymore. Not because I'm not good at it anymore, not effective, but I have learned through other career opportunities that just because I'm good at something doesn't mean it's good for me. And ultimately, I need to live in this body and I need to live with this mind (laughs) for hopefully decades to come. So I would... I mean, I, I, and I do, I have clients who are, who are looking at the same thing that maybe it's time to make a change. And I would say there, there's some decisions to be made there. Can you make a difference at your local department level first? I mean, I wouldn't just say cut and run. I also wouldn't fault anybody for cutting and running at at all, but it might be more difficult to recover from that type of an impulsive decision. Um, But most of us have pretty good gut instinct, I think, and we can check in with that gut instinct. We can also check in with our um, our role models, those that we admire, those that have gone before us, and just maybe they can help us look and see, you know, is our compass, our internal compass really pointing true north and, and, you know, where where is that going to lead us? But, But maybe the first step is checking in and seeing if you can do some advocacy within your department can there can changes be made first before leaving and in some cases the answer is no that that issue is bigger than than what we can or should make a difference in right that it's not all we may not have the re, the resilience built up and the resources and the ability to advocate at this time. And and we shouldn't be putting that pressure on ourselves either, especially, you know, after we've gone all the way till now under these conditions. So once you've checked in with, you know, those that help you make these kinds of decisions, maybe it's your family or it's your career coach or it's your recovery coach, um, and you've, you've made the decision to move to a different department, for instance, it might not be such high acuity that might be more satisfying and more in alignment. Um, I think some aftercare is really important because survivor's guilt is real. We can have anticipatory survivor's guilt that keeps us in our job. And then, and basically we're just staying as martyrs. And that's what, I, I mean, I, and I'm having to, I'm saying this to myself right now, as much as anybody else, that, that that's the advice is that we're not in this career to be a martyr. Well, you just brought up another term. <laughs> We've heard of anticipatory grief, but now you're talking about anticipatory survivor's guilt, knowing that in advance you're going to feel guilty for leaving your ICU job and feel like you're you're abandoning your colleagues and abandoning your patients and maybe abandoning your community because you're no longer doing that that direct COVID-19 care that you've been doing for so long since the pandemic first hit last spring. So there's plenty to recover from. And we even have to recover from even, I. it seems like we have to recover from even thinking about the fact that we're going to make a change. And one, someone might say it's running away. Another person might say it's jumping ship. Another one might be saying it's abandonment. But another one, like you, might say, well, this is actually moving into a place that's in more alignment 
with your current values or your needs or your family's needs and what is true for you. Like you said earlier, your true north. What's your true north right now? And your true north may no longer be slogging away in the ICU every day. And that has to be okay, right? It has to be okay. So if someone comes to you and says to you, okay, Tiffany, I really feel like I need to leave the ICU. What are some of the first questions you will pose to that person apropos of what you were just saying? How would you, how would you frame it for them? I would ask this nurse, what are the highlights of their shift? What makes them smile at work? And I would also ask, what are the dark parts of their shift? What are the difficult parts of the job? And what are they taking home with them? What are they going to bed at night with when they come home from work? And what consequences might they be seeing in the other parts of their life? Have they, um, are they no longer getting sleep? Are they not able to get exercise anymore? Are they seeing difficulties in their personal relationships? What are they seeing in their own, what are, what's the quality of their thoughts? Are they dreading going to work? Do they feel sick when they think about it? I might only know these things because I've experienced them in my life. <laughs> that I think that that's kind of the stuff I would want to, um, help them tease out what's what's painful about the job what's still wonderful about the job because then based on those things and based on what what are the non-negotiables for the next position that they're going into so they're not just jumping into another position that's going to put them right back in the same spot that they're in so it sounds like the beginning is assessment we're going to the nursing process in a way. You're asking them questions, you're trying to uncover, and then you go on to the next step, which is, okay, now we've diagnosed the problem, now let's come up with a plan, et cetera, et cetera. And the nursing students are out there going, no, no more nursing process, but we do have to talk about it. And so someone can do this own assessment with themselves, but some people can't. Some people can't see themselves in that light. They can't be objective. And that's where someone like you might come in or someone like me or, or a mentor or a professor or a trusted faith leader. It could be anyone who they could go to. So if people come to you in your role with Recover and Rise, I know you're a life and recovery coach, so they don't have to be in recovery from a substance use disorder. It can be anything just like she recovers. It can be anything. So if someone comes to you and works with you through Recover and Rise and they want to explore these issues, this is where it starts, right? You start with asking questions and getting them to, to begin the opening up process. Yeah, that's true. I have an exercise that we do together to help to uncover values, first of all, because a lot of us don't even know we might be living out our values or maybe we're not. Um, but even if we are, we might not have the words for it. So I have an, an exercise that they can do with me or on their own to to uncover like the top three to five. What what are the values? And then we we go back to those again and again as we we work together. Um, 
Another question I love to ask, this happened recently, um, a client who was, you know, get, getting towards severe burnout and considering, do I leave this job? Do I wait it out another three to six months? Is if if this were your best friend your or your favorite loved one in this position right now, what would you say? What would your best advice be to them? And the instant response from my client was, leave that job. <laughs> Just leave. Sometimes we have to look at what we would hope for an other because we're so used to caring for others first and not caring for ourselves. So that's another way I help to guide perspective. Okay. And if someone wants to work with you, they go to recoverandrise.com and they can reach out to you and you're on Instagram and Facebook and all the things, as we say, or all the platforms. And they can reach out and have an initial conversation with you. And these are these are really tough times. And people need to know, especially, let's just say women out there in the healthcare professions and beyond the healthcare professions, need to know there are people out there who are really going to listen and they're really going to be supportive and non-judgmental. Because as nurses, and you mentioned martyrdom, earlier in the first half. As nurses, that martyrdom can be something we wear like a yoke around our neck, and you're going to have to help them unpack that. So if someone comes to you with those feelings, I know you well enough and am so fond of you to know that they're coming into a very, very safe place. So can you explain a little bit about the safety of this type of coaching process, whether it's life or recovery or anything else? What is that safe space like? Um, coaching sessions with me are, are 100% confidential, first of all. I I do, I have um, nurses reach out to me at times and say, you know, I don't want to tell you anything before I tell you that it's going to be really bad and I need to know that that's okay first. Um, and, and perhaps you don't want to share anything with me for the first few sessions. And that's, that is great too. My, my, my philosophy is really to, to live a life of radical self-acceptance and radical compassion. And that's what I want for my clients as well. And so I need to model that, that radical acceptance of others, that non-judgmental, complete non-judgmental compassion. Some clients love to, believe it or not, use Zoom and have videos. They sessions. do. I have a couple that do. Others, um, it's a phone call. I have had clients who were very worried that their um, spouse would find any communication from me. And so we we mitigated around that to ensure, like no emails were sent, where normally I would send an email um client agreement to be signed. So we find ways around that as well, if needed, because I mean, safety is, is paramount. Absolutely. And someone could be coming from an abusive household, an abusive relationship, or maybe they're in a relationship where they have a substance use disorder and their spouse or partner does too. And you and I both know that when one person in a relationship wants to change, that can stir up a whole lot too. So this level of anonymity and safety is so crucial. And women need a safe space to go these days because there are so many unsafe spaces in the world. So 
tell us tell us the best way for someone to reach out to you if they feel like they want to have an initial conversation. How should they find you? The best way to find me is to go to www.recoverandrise.com where you can find my contact information and um, email me at tiffany at recoverandrise.com and just let me know you want to talk. My first conversation with you will always be free of charge. I usually spend 30 minutes to an hour on the phone with clients before we ever have a client coach agreement. If you just want to have a conversation with me or if you just want to do it by email, that's great too. You can also find me at scrubbedcleanrn on Instagram. Scrubbed Clean RN. And you have a great Instagram feed. I follow you all the time. You do great stories and really wonderful posts. And you're a great writer. And I know you have a book cooking. And we'll talk about that next time. Maybe that book will be starting to coalesce. So you're doing some great work in the world out there, Tiffany. And you're really paving the way for hopefully nurses who also want to get into this work and maybe join She Recovers, maybe become facilitators themselves because they have stories to tell and they have support they want to give and they have love and compassion to share. So first, I just want to thank you for being on the front lines of COVID-19 in the ICU in the Seattle area. And I also want to thank you for all this great work you've been doing these years with so many women around the country and, and supporting nurses and women who are not in healthcare and transforming the world one one life at a time so important and you're really out there in front you like to live your life out loud right and it's important for you to be a role model and i think you're an amazing role model and especially for the young women out there who are just coming into this profession, for instance, and need to look at other nurses who are doing it, doing it in a way that's healthy and good for them. So if you had one wish for the people listening right now for 2021, and we're not talking about resolutions or promises, but what's one wish you would offer them that they can take into their heart just for themselves? And just a suggestion for them for for the coming year. What would you wish for them? I would wish that all of the caregivers and nurses out there could find the courage and the and not just courage, but the the radical self-love to to look inside themselves and determine if what they're doing with their life's work is really right and good and healthy for them, for their very self, for their soul or not. And then I wish that they would be supported to make a decision to move out of that if it's not. Thank you. That brings it completely full circle for where we started. Thank you, because that alignment is so important, and that's what you're all about. So thanks for being here again. And this is your second time on the Nurse Keith Show, but not the last. You'll be back again. And thank you so much. And thanks for all that great work in the world. 
Thank you, Nurse Keith. You you are a big role model of mine, so I appreciate you. All feelings mutual. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nurse Keith Show. And remember, you can learn all about Tiffany Swedeen, recoverandrise.com, and She Recovers, and that worldwide community and family at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 299. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And I encourage you to do what Tiffany is recommending, that you take some action in alignment with what you want in your life, especially in the year to come. And you look really deeply and reach out to people who can help you do that. And if you'd like to reach out to Tiffany, you know where to go to recoverandrise.com and have a conversation with her. The Nurse Keith Show is a member of Ars Longa Media, a collaborative network of podcasts and media entities whose aim is to add a humanistic touch to professional education, educate the public from a scientifically informed perspective, and improve lives by partnering to address social ills. Check us out at arslonga.media. That's A-R-S-L-O-N-G-A dot media. The Nurse Keith Show is also a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, along with Dr. Sanjay Gupta, the New England Journal of Medicine, the Journal of the American Medical Association, Penn Nursing's Amplify Nursing, and other excellent podcasts. This is one of the largest, fastest growing collections of authoritative, high quality podcasts taking on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and commitment to excellence. The Nurse Keith Show, speaking of excellence, is adroitly produced by Rob Johnson of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and my wonderful friend, Tiffany Swedeen, bidding you adieu from Mount Vernon, Washington. Mount Vernon, Washington. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch everyone on the flip side.